just wanted to add this in here. This is a message from a fan of the show. So thank you to the person that sent this. If you guys ever want to send me a message and have it at the beginning of an episode, please feel free to do so. Have a good one. What's up? I'm a big fan of your podcast, and you're the reason I started making a podcast. It's called The Creeping Steps, and thank you. I just love your Glitch in the Matrix stories and your ghost stories. Alright, see ya. Just wanted to say hi. This is a cross post from r slash parallel universe, but I wanted people's thoughts on it as the whole thing is still a mystery to me, and it still sometimes gives me nightmares, though the nightmares become less frequent with time. Also, I'm going to add in a couple small details that weren't in the story of the original post, because a couple of people asked on the original and I can see why it would be relevant information to have immediately available in the post itself. Back in the summer of 2011, I was 19 and had relocated my living situation for a few weeks while I was in between apartments. It's a long story on its own. Due to my relocation... I was pretty far from my work, and I'd have to drive about an hour south on the Highway 45. At the time, I worked in Spring, Texas, and I could get away with a lot of stuff because we were too short-staffed, and I was one of the more experienced on our night crew. On my first shift having to drive to work from this new area, I ended up getting a bit turned around and lost. I was driving on what I thought had been the highway, but after a bend, it suddenly transitioned into a single-lane road, and then further down the transition to just a dirt road. Ever since it stopped being a highway, there were no areas to turn off. I left my place at around 7pm to arrive at work by 8pm for my shift. This happened around the midway point of the distance, so... Even though I didn't check the time when it happened, it would be a fair estimate to say the sudden change in environment happened at approximately 7.30pm. Thinking this was really strange, as I'd been up and down 45 a million times, and I never saw anything like this, I figured I would just drive until I reached a rest stop, or something, to check my location on GPS and turn around at. It got to be a little uneasy when I went a full 20 minutes without a single spot to stop at or turn into, and without seeing a single other car. I saw a bridge coming up and thought, okay, surely there'll be somewhere to turn around up wherever this bridge leads. Then, I saw it. You are now entering Atascotia. At this point... I was already going to be super late for work no matter what, and I figured I would just send my boss a text and all would be fine. No signal. Thinking, what the hell, I'm going to get in trouble anyways, may as well check out this place for a few minutes and see where I ended up. It was very unsettling. The town looked like it had to have been abandoned for decades, Buildings all around looking to be falling apart and in terrible disrepair. Not a single building had a light on, and there were no cars or people anywhere in sight. The roads were a mix of some dirt roads and some normal roads in varying states of disrepair. Hell, I didn't even see animals anywhere as I drove through. I could tell as I drove that this town was essentially an island. Every direction seemed to have a beach and a bridge that connected it to land, at least from what I was able to see as I drove around a higher elevated area. After about a half an hour of driving, unable to find any signs of life, I managed to find my way back to the bridge that I came in on, and I got the hell out of there. When I got to work about two hours late, 
my boss called me back into his office to have a chat. I'd been working there since I was 16, and have never been so much as a single minute late, so he was willing to hear me out. I told him the honest truth of what happened, and he seemed increasingly concerned as my story went on. He and another coworker looked on a map out of curiosity, since they'd never known of any abandoned towns in the area, and they found some place called Atascocita, and they just assumed I'd misread the sign. But when they opened the Google Street View, Atascocita was nothing like the town that I'd seen. The only thing they had in common was a sort of similar name, and one bridge that connected it from across a lake. But the town I was in was surrounded by water and had bridges connecting it on each end. I'm only in contact with one coworker who was at work that day, and he's convinced I somehow got a bustling old-style town like Atascocita, somehow confused with the long-abandoned ghost town, even though they had nothing in common, just because we couldn't find any Atascocia on the map. Two years after, when I went back to live in Spring for a little while, I did try finding Atascocia again, this time with the intent of filming while there to prove that it existed. But alas, no matter how much I retraced my steps, I was never able to find that strange empty path to the bridge again. As a little end note, I'm typically not super comfortable sharing this story with many people, because for obvious reasons, lots of people would probably think I'm crazy, because I'm adamant that I was in a town that no one can seemingly find any evidence of ever having existed. From the few people who I have told over the years, I've gotten answers like slipping somewhere in time, that I entered some kind of spirit world or something, that I slipped into an alternate reality, and the most common was that I fell asleep on the highway. Though, while that last one certainly sounds the most grounded on the surface, for those who have driven on 45... I'd have 100% died if I had fallen asleep at the wheel in the late evening slash early night on that highway. Accidents are common there even among totally alert drivers. I'm not really sure what to make of it all. As unsettling as the event itself was, the retracing my steps later and not being able to find any trace of it was even more so. Honestly... If I ever ended up back there somehow, someday, I would film the whole thing. Edit. Several comments are asking questions about important details that would be simpler to have in the post. As for whether I ever went to Atascocita to confirm it wasn't where I ended up, I have gone there for that purpose. Atascocita is in a completely different direction from where I'd been driving, when all the weirdness happened, but I still wanted to check it out for my own confirmation. And I can definitively 100% state that I wasn't in Atascocita. The only commonality between the two towns is the kind of similar name and nothing else. As for if there were any street signs or traffic lights or recognizable brands like a Walmart being present or something, there were street signs though sadly I no longer recall any of the road names. There were street lights that weren't working scattered throughout. I did see buildings that looked like they were gas stations and grocery stores, but none of them had a name on the building. I generally assume this is just from the passage of time. To clarify on a point in the post, the town was in major disrepair. Many buildings had parts of them that were just straight up falling apart or collapsed, and some buildings looked to have mild damage on some walls or the rooftops. As for the style of architecture to help everyone have a clearer picture, it was really tough to tell due to the state of the buildings, but the closest approximation I could use is Greek Revival architecture. The designs seemed mostly basic and simple, 
though there were a handful of buildings that had asymmetrical designs. It's hard to say if this was a result of the building falling apart, or if it was intentional design. Edit 2. Two commenters managed to find a single newspaper reference to the town from the 40s. I'm going to be diving into that along with a bunch of old maps to see if I can find out anything. I'll update with more info soon, I hope. And edit 3. Very important. I haven't yet looked at the old maps, but I did look at Texas's official census data from the same year the newspaper article that mentioned it was from, and I found no census data on it, oddly enough. That said, the publication Oil City Derrick in Oil City, Pennsylvania, has an article on page 13 of their October 8th, 1942 paper that does mention Atascocia, Texas. This is huge for me, because this is the first time I've seen any evidence that the town ever existed at all and a huge thank you to the commenters who made this discovery. The mention of Atascocia is brief, and I have no idea why there's no census data on it, but it's the only piece of evidence this town was ever a thing. So I'm diving in. According to this article, some kind of major discovery slash breakthrough occurred in Atascocia regarding oil depth research and it sounds like they found deposits of oil there that were previously thought to be impossible. And that's all. That's the only mention from the article, and I still need to check maps to try to find it, and I'm a little put off by it not being part of census data for some reason, but there it is. The town that doesn't exist, existed. I'm still very confused regarding how I actually got there, though. There's certainly no such part of 45 that's like what I experienced. Nor do I understand how retracing the same path from that day didn't lead me back to Atascocia. I still believe on some level that something supernatural that I can't possibly understand happened. But at least knowing that the town existed once is a little comforting. I'll try not to be long-winded, but I need to provide a little backstory, so please, be patient. I was an opiate-slash-heroin addict for about six to seven years between 2008 and 2014. In October of 2014, I'd finally had enough and decided to check myself in to the inpatient psychiatric unit at my local hospital so that I could detox myself quickly over about three to five days instead of having to go into another long-term addiction treatment center, which was usually about 30 to 60 days. By the time I got to this point in my journey of addiction, I was an IV heroin user and I was using a lot every day just to stay well or feel okay to go about my day. I know it's hard not to judge me and stop reading at this point, but I got run over by a car that my boyfriend was driving when I was 18 and just about to graduate high school. I ended up with a compound spiral fracture, meaning the bone broke through the skin, sorry for the visual, of my left leg's tibia bone because of the way the car wheel ran me over. Doctors put a titanium rod through the bone marrow, and they used four screws to keep it in place. Two by my knee, and two at my ankle. I was given a morphine drip plus 80 milligrams of Oxycontin and Vicodin to take home. No cast. Just crutches and a few stitches after the drain was removed. And doctors told me nothing about the possibility of abuse or the risk of addiction with those medications. I was basically still a child, so of course I got hooked. Fast forward from 2007 now. It was 2014, and 
and fentanyl was just starting to break through nationwide, and reports of overdoses skyrocketed around that time because it was getting mixed in with heroin. I live in Maryland, so I was getting my heroin from the deepest and shadiest parts of Baltimore City and dealing with some fairly high-level gangs. My dealer would often offer testers to me because I was a really good customer. The heroin that I bought from him always came in what was called caps, which were just emptied out and refilled reused vitamin capsules so the dealers could mix their product with other stuff and make more money. When my dealer offered me testers, I always took them, because it meant they were trying out a new, better product, and, well, they were free. Free for an addict is like gold. On the day that I decided to go into detox, I went down to the city to pick up my last hurrah, so I could get high one last time right before going in to detox. My dealer had testers that day. A lot of them. I was used to doing about 10 to 30 caps throughout any given day, depending on what I could afford. On this day, he gave me 10 caps. So, I went straight into the emergency room prepared to use their restroom to get high one last time, and then check myself in. I did all ten caps at once, though. I don't remember what happened after that. I don't remember even checking myself in, but when I woke up in what I now believe to be a parallel universe or alternate reality, meaning I'm pretty sure I overdosed and died in that bathroom that day, in my reality, because those testers were laced with fentanyl, which I'd never done before. I was sitting in a detox chair with IV fluids when the blackness faded. The person next to me was already talking to me when I opened my eyes and quote-unquote woke up, like he was literally mid-sentence. When I looked over at him and said, what? He repeated himself, and I asked again, no, what are you talking about? Long story short, I felt like I had just been asleep because things went completely black for me after I used those ten caps. But I eventually learned from my detox neighbor that he and I had been talking for at least an hour off and on, and that I never fell asleep once. He said he would have noticed because we talked to each other to keep our minds off the upcoming withdrawals. I had no memory of any conversations that we'd had. And I think he thought that I was just super high and didn't remember, but that is not, I repeat, not the case. Prior to that moment, I had an amazing memory. I was never even high enough in all my years of using to forget entire chunks of time, so I don't believe that's what happened. Anyway, moving on now to why I believe I shifted, and mind you, I'm finally sharing this because it's been ruminating in my mind since October of 2014. I walked into that emergency room completely addicted, mentally and physically, to not only IV heroin but the entire process of using, and I also smoked about a pack of cigarettes per day, probably more. I was also clearly addicted to nicotine. When I woke up, I went through very short physical heroin withdrawals. Mentally, I didn't even understand why I ever wanted heroin in the first place. I also completely stopped smoking cigarettes from that moment on. I completely stopped wanting them and still to this day find them absolutely disgusting. I don't know if that means the me from this reality was less of an addict of heroin or even nicotine, or if I'm just crazy. But I feel like it's the former. I got straight A's in high school, and graduated with honors even after my accident, so I assure you I am an intelligent, sane human being who is now a full-grown, 32-year-old adult. So immediately things felt off, and they felt off ever since. 
I, the me from the other reality, remember things that none of my family members remember. In fact, it became a running joke that I have a bad memory, but I have an amazing memory. I'm just remembering things that didn't happen in this reality. Another small example I can think of is that the boyfriend that I mentioned who ran me over? In my reality, my parents were furious with him and demanded that we break up even though it was an accident on his part. In this reality, my parents don't blame him, and talks of us breaking up was never mentioned. Then he overdosed and died. But here's the thing, yes, it's entirely possible that he just did too much or whatever he used was also laced with fentanyl, even though it wasn't found in my toxicology report. But the boyfriend from my reality never would have done too much. He was terrified of using too much, so much so that he was one of the only few addicts I've ever known who had never once overdosed. Most addicts will overdose, and then someone calls 911 and saves them. Many still die, too, I know, but this just never sat right with me. Then, his friends, who were my closest friends too and I, had a weird falling out, arguing over memories that I had, and they once again did not. We still don't talk about it to this day, and they were my boys in high school. My boyfriend and I had been dating for 11 years by the time he died, so his friends were like brothers to me, in my reality at least. And in my reality... Those guys would have never left my side if my boyfriend died. They would have constantly checked in, made sure it was safe, etc. But in this reality, it seemed like we were never even that close. Again, maybe I misread things all of those years, but I doubt it. And there's at least a dozen more standout occurrences over the years, but this is long enough, and I do applaud you if you're still reading. Anyways, I wanted to get this off my chest and share it. Who knows, maybe someone will have some insight into this. Or maybe I'll get called crazy. But yeah, that's the gist of it. Things in this world feel very unsettled for me since then. And I can't shake the feeling that I'm somehow in the wrong body. And I hate it. Last year, I had my sights set on studying via distance learning, online for anyone who doesn't know. The subject was in the fields of criminology and criminal-slash-forensic psychology. I had looked over a few unis that offered that kind of thing for the courses that I wanted to do, and I fleetingly looked at the Open University, but I couldn't find what I wanted and ended up opting for another educational body-slash-faculty. Unfortunately, at the time, my mother was severely ill, and we lost her on March 2nd, with the first lockdown starting a couple of weeks later. Due to these circumstances, I had to put my studies on hold. Fast forward to a year later, and I'm still aching to get on to a course, so... I decided to look again. This time, I find that the OU are doing the courses that I had been interested in. So, on Monday, I phoned and spoke to someone there about the courses, fees, etc. He went on to ask me if I've ever had a registration made so they could find me easier. I said I'd had a fleeting look last year, but never gave any details or anything like that. This guy confirms that I've not got an account registered, and so he creates one for me. He takes all my details, and so on, so forth. Then, two days later, yesterday, I called back as I had a query, and the guy asks for details to find my account. I give him my name, the email address I supplied, and the last three digits of my phone number. He stops me and says, I have a number ending in number. 
I was shocked. The number he'd given me was an old number that I'd had last year, and since then, I'd finished that contract, had a temporary SIM card, and got a new phone with a brand new number for Christmas, which is the information that I gave the guy on Monday. The man proceeds to tell me, they have all my information on the system, all from when I was looking up a course last year, but sees absolutely no record of having an account to set up on Monday when I called. The course he said I looked up was extremely interesting and by far one of the most relevant to what I wanted, but I saw absolutely nothing like this when I searched last year, hence why I went and registered elsewhere and I didn't even see said course when I did register this year. So, what the hell happened here? I need to clarify that I'm not just misremembering and did actually register last year, it just didn't happen. I even discussed with a friend of mine who's just graduated the same course I'm looking into about the lack of courses in this field at the OU, given its rep before I found said courses this week. Was there a time shift or slip? Did the Matrix glitch? Did I somehow slip into another dimension or parallel universe? When I moved out for college, my grandma bought me a small dining table and chair set. I ended up using this table as my desk primarily, as me and my now husband don't care to eat meals at a table very often. So let's call it my desk table. Four years of college ends, and we pack our stuff in one of those moving pods to store it for a couple of months, until we get to where we're moving across the country. We pack the desk table. We get to the new place... I had to start grad school right away. We couldn't move into our apartment yet, so we stayed in a hotel for two weeks. This was a super stressful time. Big move, starting grad school, no money, didn't have access to all my stuff that I needed, preparing for my first try at the PhD qualifying exam, etc. Super uncomfortable hotel bed with no desk in the room. I wasn't sleeping well. I couldn't study effectively on the bed, and I had a pretty crappy time. We finally get to the new apartment, and I'm eager to get the desk table set up so I can start studying more effectively. Turns out, the desk table is freaking broken. It has metal legs that screw into a wooden top, and the metal is so bent into deformed positions that it won't screw back together. Nothing would save it, and I lost my mind. It was like the straw that broke the camel's back on my sanity that day. I wouldn't have the money for a new desk table, and I could not believe that this was happening. I try to calm down. I take some more stuff down to the dumpster, and I can't believe what I see next. There near the dumpster with a free sign on it, is freaking desk table. The exact freaking same desk table. The same. Not similar. Not close. The absolute same as mine. Identical. I run. Literally run back to my apartment and tell my now husband. No time to explain. Come to the dumpster to help me get something and hurry. He's confused and alarmed, but when we get there, I can see it on his face and he just says, What the hell? I say, I don't know and I don't care. Hurry, help me take it upstairs. We get this clone desk table, clean it, and I still use clone desk table to this day, ten years later. I still live at the same place, and there is rarely free stuff like this at the dumpster. I've seen, like, one couch, a dresser, and a couple of gross mattresses in ten years. I have no explanation for this to this day. 
I entered an old house, very typical of the 50s in Brazil. The doors are kind of narrow gray, and the walls are all white. It looked like a normal house with furniture, an ironing board, and whatnot, until I arrived in a room with a window which faced the street. I remember the house being taller, and I saw other houses with people washing the sidewalk, sweeping the yard, that sort of thing. I remember seeing cars pass by, until suddenly people saw me, all at once, and I got scared. Then, I turned around and saw a young girl. I, I was scared, and she said that she was allowing me to stay there in that dimension. I couldn't identify faces, or how she and the other people I met were dressed. Then, I went to a room, in a bedroom, where they were watching television. It was a smart TV or something, I don't remember seeing a keyboard or anything. I remember that there was a program airing where they were listing celebrities who were successful in certain years. I remember seeing Elise Regina on the TV screen singing, and then I said, Wow, but Elise Regina died in 1969. She died in the 1980s. A few more artists passed by that I had never heard of, including a German with a typical name and physical build, a white blonde wearing a tailcoat or a suit. So that's when I was able to take more control of this dream, and somehow I looked at the Steam website, and I looked for games from Val. To my surprise, I saw that Fallout and Metal Gear Solid were listed as Valve games. I clicked on Fallout and saw the preview photos in 3D, with a similar look and feel to GTA 3 in the alpha version. Everything was very smooth and it was a first-person game, completely different from what Fallout 1 was. I didn't click on Metal Gear, but both Fallout and Metal Gear had that icon similar to the style of the Half-Life or CS16 icon with the character on the right side with some lighter or darker background. Completely different of what they are today. Afterwards, I told them there were two boys and a girl, and they didn't answer me. Until then, I felt like they were going to disconnect me somehow from that parallel world. And then I woke up. For me, in that dream, I felt like hours had passed, but when I saw it, I'd only slept for about an hour and a half. I'd woken up at 10.30am today and set the alarm for 12.01pm and woke up at like 11.52. But I'm still quite baffled as to what happened to me. Hello. I wasn't sure whether to post this here or in Mandela Effect, but as far as I know, this isn't something affecting more than my partner and myself. Last night, my partner and I were watching TV, and I decided to put a sweater on. I go into the bedroom, and I pull out a sweater that we had bought at Meyer back in early fall of last year. I'd worn it several times, but hadn't in probably over a month at this point. I put it on and throw the hood over my head while thinking, huh, I don't remember this having a hood. When I walk back into the living room, she says something about how much she loves that sweater, and I sit down next to her. We get into a conversation, leaving the TV paused and talk for several minutes before I interrupt with, I don't think the sweater had a hood when we bought it. Now, we have a running joke for all of the many times one of us will remember something that's completely different than it is, referencing the dubious theory of quantum immortality and fun. Whenever this happens to either of us, the other will reply with something along the lines of, uh-oh, how'd you die this time? implying that our consciousness is in a new, slightly different universe because our clumsy asses died in the last one. So, 
I'm entirely ready for that kind of response to my observation. She laughs for a minute, but instead of asking me what killed me this time, she looks me up and down and says, Yeah, no, it, it definitely didn't. We pause and think for a minute. I ask her what she remembers the top of the sweater looking like, and she tells me, without hesitation, that she clearly remembers it having a North Face-style collar with the zipper going all the way up. I hadn't told her, but that was exactly what I remembered as well. Adding to the false memory is the fact that I know I've worn my coat over the sweater in the past, and that I have a particular way of flipping the hood out over the collar anytime I wear something with a hood under it. And I don't even remember having done that with the sweater. Usually, there's the rational thought in the back of my mind that I'm just not remembering something correctly. But this is the first time that both of us have remembered something being different in the exact same way. I had an existential crisis about it for several minutes before we could resume our show, and I still can't stop thinking about it. At the time, ten years ago or so, I was working as a laborer doing home renovations with my cousin-in-law. We were completely gutting a basement and renovating it for a family. I never went upstairs and we just used the side entrance to get into the basement. My cousin-in-law was closer with the family, though, and often went upstairs to discuss things with the family because he was in charge of the job. The family was renovating it because they were having their niece from out of town come to live with them because it was closer to her university, but I had no idea at the time why they were renovating it. I just never asked, nor did I see or know about their niece. So, one night, I have a dream where I'm out somewhere standing in a circle together with my family, and we're all looking at a map in order to figure out which direction we should take to go home. Suddenly, this girl comes up to us and asks if I can give her a ride home. I asked her where she lives, and she says, Catherine. I'm from Toronto, so in my dream, I'm thinking that she must mean St. Catherine's, which is a town near Niagara Falls, about an hour and a half away from Toronto. I told her, sorry, but it's too far and so she just leaves. Dream is over. The next day, I go into work early in the morning, and I see the niece of the family for the first time ever. Previously, I never knew she even existed. She's coming out of the front door as I'm walking past it to go to the side entrance. So, we walk past each other. I look at her and am shocked, because she's the girl in my dream. She's also really attractive, and I wanted to talk to her, but in that moment of shock, I'm speechless as she passes by me. So, the day goes on, and I told my cousin-in-law that she was in my dream last night, and everything that happened in my dream. He kind of just brushes it off and says that's interesting, and that, but she's from Quebec, not St. Catherine's. At the end of the day, I hear the voice of a girl coming from the main floor, and I excitingly ask my cousin-in-law if she's home yet, as he had been upstairs a few times that day. And he replies, No, that's her sister, Catherine. Then, we both look at each other in shock of what he just said. This happened to me yesterday, and I still can't explain it logically. 
I was at a local store looking for a particular notebook that I had found on the store's website. I first searched the section with all the other notebooks. They had a wide selection, but I couldn't find the one that I was looking for, despite the website saying that it was in stock at that location. I figured that it must be an error and decided to order it online instead, and began to walk around, just looking at other things before I went home. Eventually, I made it to the section with the exercise equipment, pretty much on the opposite side of the store from where the notebooks are. A couple of things at the end of an aisle caught my eye, and I stopped to look. I was probably standing there for a minute or two comparing products and prices. All of a sudden, I heard a loud thud to my left. I looked over, and a 15-pound dumbbell had fallen off the shelf of the next aisle over. I was at least five to six feet away, and I had come from the other direction, so there's no way that I could have caused it to fall in any way. The next closest person it was a lady walking towards me from the other side. She was approximately the same distance from the aisle as I was, and had not yet passed the aisle from where the weight had fallen. It wasn't busy in the store, and nobody else had come near in the time that I had been standing there. The lady and I gave each other a confused, startled look, and I said something along the lines of, I wonder how that could have happened. And I walked over to put the weight back on the shelf. I picked up the weight, and I noticed that it had a flat section on the bottom to prevent it from rolling, which made it seem even more strange that it had fallen. But that wasn't the weirdest part. When I set it back on the shelf next to the other weights, guess what was right beside it? That exact notebook that I had been looking for. If that weight hadn't fallen... I almost certainly would have walked right past that section without noticing the notebook. I wasn't even looking for it anymore, and I definitely didn't expect to find it in the exercise section. I don't know if this quite qualifies as a glitch, or if it's more paranormal or supernatural, but it was definitely a weird, albeit a nice, surprise. Okay, so I was 19 at the time, 23 now, and I was attending a youth group club with my sibling who was 17. We both went there every week and had made friends with the majority of the group. We're waiting in the lobby area at the end of the group around 8pm, just talking and hanging out for the rest of our friends. The plan was to go for milkshakes after town. Then... A different group walks past us. This was weird. Firstly, at this time of night on a Thursday, the only people left in the building are part of the youth group that meet in a specific room on the first floor. The rest of the building is for employees working as social workers and such. So neither my sibling nor I had seen or even recognized these people. They were teenagers, and... I very distinctly remember one person with neon blue headphones, another with the violin case, and two others laughing loudly and pushing each other around. First time they go by, literally right past us, almost brushing my shoulder. They all stare ahead and don't look or seem to notice me or my sibling. A few minutes go by and we're still waiting on our friends. It's only a short walk down a stairwell to get to the lobby, so it's weird that they're taking so long. Then, that same group of people walk past us again. Both my sibling and I had seen them exit the building and cross a road leading into town, yet it was the same person with neon headphones, the same person carrying the violin, and the same two others laughing and shoving each other as they walked. This time... I try to say hey to get their attention, and they turn but stare past us. 
I can't meet their eyes, and both me and my sibling are confused, shocked, and freaked out. Just like before, the group walks out of the building and out of view. I check with my sibling that they had seen it too. Then, five minutes go by and I get a call from one of my friends. The one that we were waiting for this whole time. Yeah, so, turns out, our friends had walked past us only a few minutes after we had gotten to the lobby first. They thought we had joined them on the way out. There was only one way out of the building at night, and we would have seen them. Our friends didn't see the other group leaving the building either. We never saw them go to the youth group ever, and we just never saw them again. This still gives me the creeps. I traveled back in time approximately 15 minutes this morning. As the title says, this happened this morning. I have a job where I work the graveyard shift from 4am until I'm done with my work. There was a Valentine's Day rush, so I didn't get out until around 6.30. I went back to my apartment to catch another hour or two of sleep before my 9 o'clock class. I live within close walking distance, so I set my alarm for 8.40. 8.40 rolls around, and my alarm goes off. I always put my phone underneath my pillow so that I feel the vibrations against my face. When I picked up my phone to turn it off, I noticed a few notifications from my friend, A, messaging me on Instagram and dated 14 minutes ago. I pressed snooze on my alarm for another 10 minutes of sleep, figuring I can still make my class if I hurry. I live about 10 minutes away, but I was still in my work clothes. The snoozed alarm goes off, and I was still tired as hell, so I decided not to go and to text my friend about it later to make sure I didn't miss anything important. I put my phone down by my legs when I was done, silencing my alarm. More time passes, and another alarm goes off. I'm confused because I don't have another alarm after my initial one to wake up and go to class. I grabbed my phone, which was still by my legs, and I saw that it was 8.40 again. I'm still super tired at this point, so it took me a minute to fully realize what had happened. I was hesitant at first to actually wake up because some crazy crap just happened, but I don't want to mess with whatever made it happen. After a few minutes, I figured that the universe had given me a second chance to get to class, so... I got up. On my way to class, I was thinking about it some more, and I was about to chalk it up to a weird dream that I had already woken up. But then I remembered my Instagram messages from A. I didn't see the notifications when I woke up the second time, so I checked my DMs. Sure enough, A messaged me at 826. 14 minutes before 8.40 when I initially woke up. I make deliveries on Cape Cod. In the spring of 2016, I was delivering in the Yarmouth-slash-Dennis area when I suddenly found myself driving down a bumpy road through the woods. I usually just zone out while driving and blindly follow my GPS, so I had no idea where I was. After driving for a while, the road widened and became a suburban neighborhood. Around a corner, I came across a stucco house with a big palm tree planted in the front yard. Later research revealed it to be a windmill palm that is tolerant of colder weather. It looked straight out of Florida. This is not a sight typically seen in Massachusetts. So, I turned around, and I recorded a video driving by and posted it to my Snap story. If you aren't familiar with Snapchat, 
Anything you post on your story is automatically deleted after 24 hours if you don't save it. And I did not save it. After driving off for a bit, I came upon a familiar area and made a mental note of where that palm tree was, so I could find it another time. Back then, I wasn't delivering at Cape Cod consistently, so I didn't go back to that area for about a year. When I did, I tried to find it again so I could see how the palm tree head up, and the street that I could have sworn it was on was a dead end. I thought I was only mistaken, so I drove around a bit looking for it, but to no avail. Later on, I used Google Earth to scour the area for this house, and I looked everywhere. I looked at all the surrounding towns, I searched for hours over several weeks, I used Street View, I went back and looked at historical imagery from that year, and nothing. Not only does the house not exist, but the road as I remembered it doesn't seem to exist. I searched social media to see if anyone could have posted about this very curious house on Cape Cod, but nothing comes up. I searched the local newspaper to see if there was an article written about it. I've asked my employees who deliver in that area if they have seen it. I've asked locals if they knew about it. Nothing. It's as if it never existed. And it's wild. When I was 16 years old, I used to drive a scooter to my school. I always used to put my wallet in cabinet of my back seat, which we refer to as Dicky in our country. One fine day, after leaving the school, when I opened Dicky of my scooter, I realized that my wallet was gone. I panicked, and not only because my wallet had money in it, but it also contained a photo of my then-girlfriend, and I didn't want some stranger to get a hold of her photo. I checked my compartment again and again, but the wallet was nowhere to be found. That night, I told my girlfriend about this incident, and she even panicked and scolded me for keeping her photo in my wallet, and then carelessly keeping the wallet in the dicky of Scooter, which I parked in my school parking lot. Thankfully, the parking lot had many CCTV cameras which were working 24-7, so... The next day, after taking permission to review the footage, I went to the CCTV room and fast-forwarded the footage of the previous day. I watched the footage from the moment I parked to the moment I left the premise. Nothing to be found. I even told one of our lecturers the same thing, and the same day he too checked the back seat of the scooter and even ordered the watchmen to look up in the parking lot and also took me to Lost and Found of my school, but nothing. Three days later, I had given up and made peace that my wallet had been stolen, and so was the photo of my girlfriend. But, all of a sudden, that day after leaving school, I saw my wallet in my dicky. It had the exact same amount of money. None of it was stolen, not even the coins. And most importantly, the photo was also there. I found my wallet in the same condition. I told the watchman that I had found my wallet, and he laughingly said that someone might have pulled a prank on me. I just believed him and decided to change the lock of my scooter, which I did, and nothing like this ever happened again afterwards. I don't know how and why, but I still remember each and every detail of that event, and no one believes me when I tell them this story. They think that I just didn't search enough, or simply that I've made it up. When I was 15 or 16, my two younger brothers and I were playing in our family's living room. For some reason that I don't recall, our parents weren't there at the time, so... We were basically playing dodgeball in the house only. Instead of the heavy rubber balls typically used in actual dodgeball, we were using one of the cheap, lightweight, inflatable rubber balls from Walmart. 
you know the type. Smaller than a standard basketball. I'm guessing it was between 12 to 14 inches in circumference. There was a grandfather clock positioned in one corner of the room that my mom still has to this day. It was positioned as close to the wall as possible. When you take into account the baseboard and shoe molding on the wall, plus the trim on the bottom of the clock, there couldn't have been more than a four to five inch gap between the body of the clock and the sheetrock wall. We were launching this ball at each other, because no matter how hard you throw these, they don't hurt the other person. So I get the ball and throw it as hard as I can at my brother, who was standing in front of the clock. Just as the ball left my hand, I had this snapshot vision in my head of that ball lodging between the clock and the wall, and in slow motion, I watched my brother jump out of the way, and that 12-inch ball bury itself in the 4-inch space between the clock and the wall, just like it had happened in my mind a split second before. I don't mean a little either. Nearly half of the ball was lodged. It was difficult to pull free. All three of us stopped and were blown away by what had just happened. It had to be a one in ten million shot. I'm fairly certain that I could try to do it again for the rest of my life, and would likely never be able to do it again. So... My mom, my brother, and I moved into a new house in December. I spend most of my spare time in the kitchen as I love to eat, cook, and bake. The photo attached might help you understand what my kitchen looks like and where the lights and light switches are. A couple of weeks ago, I went to turn the light on in the kitchen because I always walk down the hall and flick it as soon as I turn the corner and it wasn't there anymore. I looked around on the wall and on the other side of the hall, and there was just a thermostat. I don't use the thermostat because I don't ever feel the need, so I wouldn't have mistaken it for that. Plus, I remember it being around the corner. I went to do it again tonight, out of habit, and I asked my mother if she remembers a light switch being there. And she said, That's really weird. I was thinking the exact same thing. Probably just something with our brains adjusting from the old place. She doesn't really believe in stuff like glitches in the Matrix or parallel universes, so I just said, Yeah, probably. But inside, I knew it wasn't because of that. My heart was racing and I was shaking a lot. I felt so weird about it. It couldn't have been because of the old place either, because we've been here for three months now, and the old place was nothing like this. I find it so scary that she agrees, but comforting that I'm not going crazy. The light switch for the kitchen is now a double switch with the dining room light over across the room by the sliding glass door. She doesn't remember that either edit, my best friend also remembers the light switch. We bake cupcakes together often. Also, I forgot to mention the light over the sink. It is its own separate switch, but I never used it much because it's not enough to light up the whole kitchen. Well, I usually like to write a lot of fictional horror stories and that kind of stuff, but the story is the exception. I have experienced all of this. This is one of my first memories. I was about three or four years old. I was in my aunt's home. She lived on the third floor of an old apartment building in the downtown of my city. The rooftop was a place where all the tenants could hang out the laundry to sun-dry. You could access the rooftop by the main stairs of the building. 
The staircase entry in the rooftop was next to a little apartment that was originally built for the doorman, but it was always empty. There were always two doors. The one on the right takes you to the staircase, and the one on the left takes you to this little apartment. Well, that day, I went with my aunt to the rooftop to help her with the laundry. Everything was normal until I got out of the staircase and saw that we came from the wrong door. Now the staircase was in the left door. So I asked my aunt why and who moved the staircase to the other door. She was confused by my question, but didn't give me any importance. Other times that I went there with her, I asked the same always referring to that day when I noticed that the staircase was in the wrong door. Now, speaking with my aunt about this, she tells me about that one random day that I went with her to the rooftop, and I mentioned the staircase position change. She was confused because I was so sure about what I was saying, but she didn't give any importance to my words because the stairs were always in the left, even if I remembered them always in the right until that day. I've never had any brain problems or accidents, and my aunt and cousin remember me talking about the staircase being moved, and that something was very strange. If I transported to a parallel universe, this one, at this point I don't want to come back to my original one, I've made almost my whole life here, and I'm okay with it. This is literally the craziest freaking thing that has ever happened to me. I have no history of blackouts or mental illness that involve hallucinations or intense daydreaming, and I'm freaking the hell out. Like, 30 minutes ago, I thought, hmm, I should do the little things I've been putting off but want to do. So I did. I remember so distinctly hanging one of my pieces of art on the wall. I picked it up from leaning on the edge of my bed, and I put it on a thumbtack. Afterwards, I set out all of my nail stuff and painted my hand and toenails. When I was trying to fix my pillow cover... I accidentally got some black nail polish on my pillow. When I'm done, I relax with Amy Winehouse in the background, scrolling aimlessly on Instagram. Next thing I know, my sister barges in and tells me my chicken tikka masala arrived. I go to shoo her away and catch a glimpse of my hand. My nails are pristinely blank. Like, no residue at all. I stare at it for a second like, what the hell? It took so long to paint. Then I look at my toes, and they're also completely blank. The only thing I could think was, how in the world did that happen? My hands were playing on my phone the entire time, so I start destroying my bed to find polish anywhere on my sheets, but nothing. At this point, I think I'm actually going mental as I'm putting my sheets back to where they were, patting the pillows and such. I start karate chopping the middle of the decor pillows. I did it to the last one, and my damn nail polish is on the side of it. Same place and everything. I leap off my bed, and when I step off, I kick something over. My body took a screenshot. I look down, and my freaking painting that I hung up above my desk is now at the side of my bed. I'm freaking the hell out. I think I'm going crazy, and I'm looking up symptoms and causes of blacking out or hallucinating. (laughs) Can someone explain this to me? Is there something wrong? To get to the kitchen from my old bedroom at my mom's house, you had to walk down a small hallway and pass my sister's room. At the time, my sister was a baby and still sleeping in a crib. 
One day as I was walking past my sister's room to the kitchen, I spotted my mom leaning over the crib peering down at her. I quickly changed course and headed for the room to ask my mom a question, but before I even took two steps in her direction, she looked up at me, put her finger over her lips indicating to be quiet, and my sister was napping, and made another hand gesture shooing me away. So I turned back around and walked straight to the kitchen. However, when I got to the kitchen, my mom was standing there making sandwiches. Stunned, I asked her if she was just in my sister's room and told her what I had seen. But she said she hadn't been in there for about 20 minutes. Of course, when we went to check out the room, nothing was out of place, and my sister was still sleeping. This has always puzzled me and melts my mind when I think about it too much. I literally saw my mother in the baby's room, had a, a brief non-verbal interaction with her, and then about ten seconds later saw her again in the kitchen, and she had no recollection of the first incident. It was broad daylight, and no one else was home except us three. Given the layout of the house, there is absolutely no way anyone could have come in or out without us noticing, since the doors to both the front yard and backyard are visible from the kitchen, where my mom was standing making us lunch. I've never been able to rationally explain this experience, and I often wonder what would have happened if I ignored her gestures and continued on into the room. So that was this week's collection of Glitch in the Matrix stories on the As the Raven Dreams podcast. I hope you enjoyed this collection of glitchy goodness. If you did and would like to listen to more of this, you can always check out the other episodes of the podcast or support the channel further by actually going to my YouTube channel and checking out my videos. Just go to YouTube and search As the Raven Dreams. You can also go to AsTheRavenDreams.com for lots of other good stuff. Ways to get early access, read stories that I've written, submit your own story, and things like that. All that said, friends, thank you very much for listening. I do hope to see you in two weeks on the next Glitch in the Matrix episode. But until then, sleep well. <laughs>